Yo, yo, this is V, a.k.a. Vernon English. What's up, everybody? Um, yeah, I'm really, and I, see, when I start out, I, I try not to sound the same and, and try not to be, like, all cliche with it, because, you know, I got listeners now. I got, like, two listeners now, and I'm really excited, but... <laughs> This is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate to all the listeners and no facetiousness in it. Uh, this is truly an honor uh, to speak to someone and have an audience and a platform to actually, you know, get the ideas out there as to what it is that I'm portraying. And that is a writer's room. Essentially, you must understand that this is a writer's studio, a place where writers can understandably see me as a reflection of self and then be mystified by the obscurity and the unorthodox way that one comes about writing. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Hit the subscribe button, let someone know about it. You can find me on Amazon.com, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Spotify, all kind of other different places. So, yes, it's basically the nerd cast or nerd podcast to be inspired and to create your own content. And uh, hopefully, you get inspired to create your own story from just listening to a few of mine. And uh, you could publish yourself, do all kind of other crazy stuff. But I'm really, you know understandably in this mode of just I, i'm overhauling so in these next few weeks i will intel and tell people about what it is that i'm actually you know writing down recording doing a whole bunch of other different things but it's really a fun process if you are a writer and uh in my head i'm speaking to thousands of people in my ted talk so you're a part of that if you're listening <laughs> But no, it's a real cool thing to see when you're in the writing process and you have this idea and so the idea persists and so you have it in this little cloud or think of it as a cloud drive and every time that you're, you know, crunching data and you're adding stuff to it and you're uploading automatically all the ideas <laughs> that you have to something, it becomes uh, something more greater. And it, it becomes something that you're excited about. It becomes uh, not a project or not a work of labor, but it becomes a, I don't know, it, it's something that you look forward to, something that actually means something and to nobody else. And I, I was telling somebody and, I, you know, I, I feel kind of, not apprehensive or shy, if you will, in recording my podcast in front of, you know, people I love, but I will get to that point eventually of, you know, wearing a ski mask and then recording a video cast of me and this podcast and, you know, making myself mysterious or obscure. Word to MF Doom <laughs> or any other things that would culminate from me and my creative endeavors. But I'm just going through the Rolodex and I'm just like thinking of, you know, the next phase and expanding uh, what it is that I've had over the years. And this is like a story on story on story on story on story on story. 
Like I'm thinking of what other things that I can add to it, if not visually, something else to expand upon th this horizon and, and opening a burgeoning market of being an artist. Now, obviously you have NFTs, you have other, you know, online, what do you call this? Drop down menus and programs and things that, you know, people have basically furthered the art form in their own way. But uh, obviously you know that you can have your own drop down menu and your own templates and your own customized way of creating your style. And I've talked about this many, many times before and how style reflects into the writing style and how it reflects into the dialogue. And so these, basically each and every like six months or something like this, I go through this process of basically like, what would you call this? You could think of it as inundation of data. And what I mean by that is just somebody looking into the grand scheme of the world. And so you're, you're there, you're in the world, you're chilling, and you are looking into everything creatively that has been made. So creatively, you got <laughs> everything in existence that has ever existed, you know, just being there and sitting in this ocean. And for me, it's kind of like dipping my toe in each and every time because the ocean and its level has changed. Like, the things in the ocean have changed. The creatures in the ocean have changed. Everything has changed, culminated into something that I, I can't even imagine and I'm excited about. And I can't be satisfied with how you know deep my toe is into the ocean because that's not even as far as a tub can go. It's, it's fathomless, like it's so in-depthful and my peers are constantly adding on to this thing. And, and so the ocean and the level is rising, it's changing. People are taking things out that we don't need to see creatively or things that they don't think that we need to see, but it's still a part of the, the ocean. It's still a part of this creative process. And so as a writer, you must understand that obviously taking on a task that is unimaginable or can be looked at as boring is insanely fun. The first thing you gotta understand that, that, that alone, words, writing, creatively, to teach someone how to make something fun is of paramount and of the most difficult task that I can ever imagine and ever would take on. And, and to prove to someone, <laughs> be like, yo, Ernest Hemingway, that nigga cold. Like, <laughs> excuse me for the explicatives, but I mean, truly, you have to have this vigor, you have to have this hunger, you have to have this thing in your head where it makes sense to actually creatively you know, put a word in front of another word and put this story with this story and to make it make sense and then for it to be rememberable to yourself and why it's so memorable to yourself. For me, there's so many different stories and I've talked about them, obviously Spider-Man and how inspiring that was. 
obviously X-Men and how inspiring that is. And, you know, those are things that people readily identify with. Those are things people know of. And then if I go into the anime realm, then, I mean, there are other people who know of it, but the number or the the identifiable, you know, aspects or rather the relatability uh, changes or the percentage changes. And what I mean by that is that obviously um, those cartoons are from a different culture. And so their mentality is different, the way the characters interact are different. And even if a show or character depicts, uh, you know, something from a different culture, which they have done, and I'll comment and, and let you know why I'm leading up to this, it's still reminiscent of the culture that is creating it. So for instance, if I'm making, you know, a movie or a cartoon about somebody from Brazil, then you know that that is indicative of my interaction with what, or my idea with what someone I think would do in this said country versus somebody literally from Brazil creating a cartoon from Brazil, knowing their culture from top to bottom, the language, you know, speaking Portuguese, and pronouncing it and everything, and knowing the names, knowing the places, and knowing the detail. That, those are two separate things, right? Equally as important, okay? So this is for you as a writer not to dismiss what it is that you're presenting, even if you are not in this set place. If you have visited this place, if you know of the culture, the content that you're bringing has to be reflected in your writing. You gotta know something to write something. You gotta experience something to personify an experience to someone else. If it is not just a conversation, if it is not just a conflict, if it is not gang culture, if it is not you know, someone being a fisherman, whatever the case may be, you at least have to have thought about it for more than an afternoon and thought about it vehemently and intricately enough to create this said world. Now, think about it, right? <laughs> Often, like, writers have this mentality and they have these certain sayings and they believe these sayings, but certain things about writers are meant to be challenged. And a lot of writers believe that if you write in a young voice, that your voice will forever be in this young voice and you box yourself into this. If you're writing to an audience that is, what, 14 to 16 years old, obviously your voice is going to change because you are getting older. <laughs> so if you have your bestseller and you, you sell your book, you know, New York Times bestseller, it was Nancy Drew or something like this, and you know, you were 21 and it was cool, it was, it was hot, it was fresh, it was cool, but you understandably so the next year the trends have changed, everything has changed, your voice has changed. And, and the reader and the writer both know this. So you know it as you write it, and the readers know it, you know, subconsciously by reading your material, where you were at in your head. So then it, there comes this point where you're like, all right, 
well, how can I diversify my voice? How can I personify this change? How can I develop and redevelop this version of myself so that it doesn't sound like I'm far removed from my youth? I'm only a few years away from that. Like, how can I personify that? How can I place this and package this to someone so they understand that this is how I talk when I was 16, when I was 14, versus, you know, somebody that sounds totally different that's 16 and 14 right now. Those are the things that you take as a timestamp, which also is something completely different. And I'll talk about this in the next podcast, but I wanted to say this, that I was inspired by this anime. Now, before you be like, oh, roll your eyes and here he go again, talk about cartoons and shit again. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't be so assumptuous. Like, just relax. Like, it's the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. I'm a nerd. I watch cartoons. Anyway, so I had this one show and, and I won't name it. And I've talked about many shows before and how they influence uh, just the characters that I see. And culturally, one can develop your voice and your style based off of what happens around you and all the people you see around you and all the things that you know make up this cultural thing that is your, your neighborhood. For me, the, the thing that impacted me the most was you know the way women talk to one another and how they verbalize their things and concerns, the things they care about, all of it is very precarious and very you know curious to me being as a male and being as a black male at that so i had this character in my head obviously she was of color and from this television show that i saw it surprised me to see a fall a strong excuse me female character portrayed this way Usually a female character is the side character or usually she is someone who is <laughs> basically in the background doing something or complaining about something some way shaped down the line. Even if you look at, you know, African American or people of color in superhero films or even cartoons, like there's always this sense of support, 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 support. Uh, supporting actors, supporting roles, like, <laughs> but never to the point where there is a female lead in a show alone being of color. And it was set in Brazil and she was, you know, larger than life. Her personality was larger than life. Everything about her, her, her look, her mystique, her sexual uh, exuberantness, her ability to entice not only visually uh, to you know your eye and how it is magnetized to her features, but the things that she says and how angry she is at everything and at life, and not even uh, the accessibility or the things that stand before her as obstacles, but as a character, how she overcomes them with a sense of, of male brawnness that, you know, she will kick you in your teeth if you say something slick. Like, <laughs> like, that was inspiring alone to see her overcome and 
you know, Bonnie and Clyde, her situation without Clyde. And this was the first time I had seen a character depicted this way. And if anybody is familiar with, you know, uh, anime in the past, what, 20 years since, what, 2000, and uh, how there are many different characters, obviously, in Japanese culture who uh, can, you know, personify this said character. In American culture, I usually, like, I would have to find something like this. And you could look on Steven Universe or look at Adventure Time and look at, you know, the cartoons that have been around and popular for the past few years. But the, the first thing that comes into mind, and this, you know, rings true as to the last uh, podcast that I had, was the Band of Crow. And I based her off of Xena Warrior Princess, which is from my timeline back in the 90s. And if you've ever seen that show, like, you'd be like, dude, you weird. <laughs> and then to answer said question, I'd be like, yo, I had a crush on Lucy Lawless. Don't hate me. Like, come on, bro. She was walking around in, like, a brassiere. And it was like an armor, and she had like leather armor stuff, and she was just flipping off people, swinging stuff, swinging swords, and she was friends with Hercules and dated Hercules. Come on, man! Like, bruh, that that was the best show for a, a kid. And, and I'll comment on this in the next podcast of how that influenced um, just my characters and the story and the female characters of how I wanted them to be portrayed in my story. So that, that's basically all for now. Uh, this is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. This is the writer's room. Anybody listening to me, this is a writer's room. If you're a writer, please understand. You read it. You are a reader. You all are also a writer. <laughs> so peace, peace. Hit the subscribe button. All right.